Kyle is here, Ed is here, and Tom is here. We're back for another episode. And before we get started, guys, Ed posted a very interesting question on his Facebook, and I want everyone here to participate. Chicken wings, what's better, the drumettes or the, uh, what do you call them, Ed Flats? Is that what we're calling them? That's apparently the name for I didn't know that they even had a name until a year ago, but yes. I mean, I gotta be honest with you guys. I can't really mess with chicken wings. Ugh. It creates like a, it, it makes like a huge mess. It gets stuck in your teeth. You know, it's just not an enjoyable situation. Well, I mean, you, I, I, if, you just give drink your oatmeal smoothie since you don't want food in your teeth. Oh my god! <laughs> Is boneless wings an option here, or no? That's boneless wings are not wings. What kind of atrocities oh, are you putting on this podcast? Okay, I can't contribute to this topic then. Oh my boneless Wait, boneless Tom. wings are like chicken nuggets. Which Tom doesn't eat? Tom doesn't eat chicken nuggets. Tom doesn't no, eat, I eat chicken anything. nuggets. I don't eat I don't eat chicken fingers. There's a difference there. What's the same? No, no, no. Well, what? kind of, but no. <laughs> I'll explain it to you someday. All right. Can I answer the question? And on to- Tom is, I don't know what he's on. The answer is flats. This is true. I, I'm 100% with you. And now on to question number two. And Tom, I don't. I guess you're not eligible to answer this. But saucy wings or dry wings? Now see, this is where I'm with Tom. Because I don't like a lot. I mean, now it's chicken. I'll eat it. But, I mean, I like them dry just because... The mess kind of gets kind of on my nerves. So if I had a preference, it would be dry. But I'm not turning down anybody's wings. I don't know a black man alive who's turning down anybody's wings. Oh. I'm just well, saying, imagine gone- being in a, in a public outing. You know, you got friends, family, even coworkers around. And you got honey barbecue sauce all up in your beard. That's just not going to work. Oh, I totally agree with you. Do you know how many times, let me tell you the plight of being an African American in this country. Because there's many times a brother wanted some fried chicken for work, for lunch. But no, I am not going to work eating some fried chicken, getting sauce all over my goatee, and crumbs all over my desk looking like a sitting stereotype. So no, I just have to just let it go. And tear it up when I get it. Looks like... Looks like Tom wins again. <laughs> no, the last wow. time that said that statement will be had on this podcast ever. All right, all right, calm down. So the food discussion is out of the way, but guys, we have a lot of music to talk about as well. Tom, fill us in on what's going on. Well, first of all, I have an, I have an announcement to make. <clears throat> Our good friend Ed Bowser was forced to lean back. What? Do you wow. know why? He actually liked, after dissing Music Soul Child for about eight consecutive weeks on this podcast, he actually gave the album a good review. Oh, well, now hold Uh, on, player. Let me change up the narrative because (laughs) this dude is fake news and all over this podcast. First of all, I am a fan of music. I am not a stan of music, and that's where we differ. So music is great, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. I love his first album. I thought loving music... Is a extremely underrated album. I'm not sure why everybody kind of craps on that album, but Music has great albums. He also has some mediocre albums. He also has some horrific EPs. Sorry, but he does. 
The hustle is horrible. So when this new album came out, I hadn't just like, eh, double album. I don't know how this is going to sit with the brother, but you know what? It's pretty good. And for a double album, it goes down a lot easier than you would expect. Now, it's got its flaws, but I'll give Tom this. His boy did it this time. I give props when it's due. All right. We did it. I actually didn't listen to the album yet, but you did, Kyle, right? What did you think? I did. Well, I've only listened to the first half of it. Um, 24 songs or whatever, that's just way too much music for me to listen to in a week, which is sad but true. And I think a lot of people, and Ed, I think you can agree with this, a lot of people probably said that to you as well, that it was just way too many songs, right? Yeah, I got a lot of responses from the review where people were like, look, I made it through almost the first half of the disc and I liked it, but I don't have time to commit. Because it, it was literally 100 minutes I timed it. Like, there are movies that are shorter than that album. And people just didn't have time to commit. And as Tom and I have chatted about before, music fans have a lot shorter attention spans than they did back in the day. So when you're asking them to commit to that much music, it has to be a huge commitment that a fan is going to have to do or super fan or someone who just really wants to check out the album. So when you see that, that huge track list, that's intimidating. Players don't want to sit through all of that. But you know what the good news is? And I, you know, I plan to listen eventually, but it's two albums. I mean, Ed, you have to listen to both because you're a reviewer. Right. But who's to say you have to listen to both at the same time? Maybe save one for like a month down the road when you need something to listen to. You know, that's the. I think we should just be celebrating that. You know, one of the the top artists in R and B is giving us this much music at once, and it's actually a pretty good album. So, me, I'm happy about it. I'll eventually get a chance to consume it. Probably not all at once, but I think it's a good thing for R and B music. Yeah, I'm not mad at all. As Again, as most people know, as I've harped on for years since I've been reviewing, I am a brother that's all about quality over quantity. Quanti- uh, I am talking crazy thanks to that chicken discussion. Got my um, stomach growling. <laughs> but look, a bro- I'm a brother that wants quality and not necessarily quantity, so it doesn't really matter to me if I get 50 aight songs as opposed to 10 really good ones. But in this case... It's a lot more quality here than I kind of expected going into it. So props to the man music for that. Well, let me bring up a couple of points uh, from the first half of the album that I've listened to so far. Benefits is a great song. I love that song. And he actually has a couple of songs like that. Sooner or later, as I got to listen to it more, it's actually a really good song as well. But, Ed, Mm -hmm. you and I were talking about this off the air, and it kind of seemed like near the tail end of it, it all started to sound... I don't want to say the same, but it sort of all shared the same elements, and it kind of left. I think saying that it sounds a little same is that's not an out of. I mean, that's a pretty accurate criticism of the album. And again, that's the problem with having twenty four tracks, and that was my major beef with the second half. The second half of the second disc, especially, like it just gets too long, and a lot of the tracks start mushing together and. It makes for a really tedious listen. That takes away from it. You know what I was excited about reading your review? Because this is his eighth album. And it's like, when an R&B artist is on their eighth album, you would literally have no idea what to expect. And let's be honest, a lot of times it falls off. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know which direction to go in. You know, and the quality just isn't there. I don't want to name any names. But I was just happy that we're getting a good quality product at this stage of his career. And it's his eighth album, double album, and... 
that's something I'm happy about to see, especially for this genre, because yeah. we're getting so much music that's just okay. And to see you give something a four is, 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 has been kind of rare these days, let's be honest. So yeah. I was just happy to see that. Yeah, we've really been living in a land of 3.5 and 3s these days, and it's just because everything has just been alright. And like you said, to Music's point, if we were to rank his albums, this would probably go on the higher side of his releases. The first album, the second album, I love loving music. This would probably be like number four or five on the list. It would definitely be on the higher end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Here's what's cool, though. Because <clears throat> on, on different internet forums and Twitter, you always hear people say, I miss the old Kanye. I miss the old Usher. I miss the old Neil. Music Soul Child doesn't have that problem because he's been able to put out you know, a cons- consistent sound throughout his career. So anybody who's a fan of music and doesn't want to check out this album, then shame on you because the music is consistent just like it has from has been from the beginning. So you guys need to check that out. Very much but so. But now Kyle and Ed, now Kyle and Ed, I'm a little nervous to see the first week sales numbers because, as we all know, a lot of people didn't respond well to his personas, especially mm. the hustle. So mm. I'm curious to see if that turned away many fans. This is also his second album in two years, so I'm cur- really curious to see how this is going to going to do i have no idea unfortunately there were a lot of people that were like i had no idea this album was out or i can't i'm surprised he came out with another album so soon because like you said we just got an album a year or so ago from him so i don't know how well the word is spread about this album coming out and the third thing to your other point tom i got a lot of questions saying is he rapping or is he singing on this album because the hustle has run off a lot of fans. I'm sorry, but it's true. And thankfully, there's only one song the hustle shows up, and he's as horrible as you remember. But thankfully, that's just contained to one song. Mm-hmm. So again, this is the music you know. This is the music you love. But I don't know if music fans know that this album is even out. No, you're right. Well, it, we recently. Well, Tom, before we, I uh, go remember ahead, a couple of podcasts ago when. I was a little concerned about his charting on the Urban AC, you know, chart and how slow Start mm-hmm. Over was climbing. Well, it's still in the 15, 14 area. And you were saying that it was around the album release time that it would be pushing to the top three or whatever. But it's still hanging in the mid midway of the chart. So that's a little concerning. Yeah, I mean, who knows what factors... Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's going to keep climbing. I, it, It's tough to really say. The point I was going to make, though, for you, Kyle, is that, um, you know, you checked out the interview, and I kind of mentioned to him, I'm glad the singles you put out weren't turn-up songs like a lot of the, your contemporaries and peers have been doing. And he kind of smirked and said, well, that's why I have the hustle, so I can keep the music brand alive. Are you guys on board with that that way of thinking? I am. I think initially... I understand. Go go ahead. Go ahead, Ed. Go ahead, Kyle. Go ahead. Well, what I was saying was that, like, I understand what he's doing as in separating the two. Because that way you go into a music album knowing you're going to get vintage music. You're going to get the sound that you've heard since 2001, 2002. And if you go into a hustle, you're going to hear a turn up. My point is why we need to hear the hustle at all. It's just not good turn up. It's not good. Stick with what you know. 
No, Ed, I agree with you on that, but I mean, I guess there is an audience for the hustle. I don't think the hustle is universally hated by everyone. I'm sure there are some fans out there, and I kind of wish some artists did it like that, did it like the hustle um, and music. Like, I remember when Nelly did that with uh, Sweat and Suit, and both albums ended up doing well. So, artists have different audiences, and I don't have a problem with them catering to different audiences. Let's just hope that whatever they plan on doing, that the music is quality. I can't say that the hustle is quality right now, but maybe he's, maybe it will be eventually. That's all I'm saying. Well, all I'm asking is if you are a fan of the hustle, please tweet me at E.T. Bowser on Twitter because I want to see the Jew exist. And never met a hustle though. fan. It, but it's interesting. I mean, artists are creative people. And at least he's doing it over there and not compromising the Music Soul Child brand. So exactly. That I agree it, with. So we'll live with it. Fair enough. So got some uh, big news to announce for everybody. Ed, I got some bad news for you. No. <laughs> you fi- what? You finally done it. What? You finally forced Tamar Braxton to retire from music. Her next album... Bluebird of Happiness will be her last album. She announced this on Instagram. And I think the Team Martians are blaming you for this. Listen, player, I, I will make this claim on this podcast. If this is her last album, if she never releases another bit of music after this album, I will print out her entire Wikipedia page and eat it. Wow. That's <laughs> mm. <laughs> Well, I will put some of Tom's mayo all over it and I will eat it up. Because if y'all think that this woman is going to retire after this, please. All right. (laughs) Yeah. It seems pretty obvious that she's not going to retire. Whoever retires, come on. All I know is, guys. I mean, just think we just celebrated. All I know, guys, is that if Tamar retires, I see it now. Put her with the names of Patti LaBelle, Anita Baker, Mariah Carey, Whitney, Whitney Houston, and right beside him, you have Tamar Braxton. What? I mean, I mean there might be a Braxton name beside him, but Tamar won't be the first. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. But. Oh. But. What what have you thought of the of the music so far? She just put another song from the album. Kyle, what do you think so far? I like far? it. I think I read an interesting comment on Twitter where someone said that Tamar Braxton keeps making the same songs as her previous albums, and it kind of is true. You sort of have the lead single, which is like a like a monster ballad, and then you have a song that samples an old school song, and she did that exactly. This you know she did that as well on Pick Me Up. Which samples, I forget the sample, but um, it's sort of like an 80s type of record. She actually sort of sounds like Mariah on the record, or it's stylistically like a Mariah record, but... She does. But, I mean, the music has been solid so far. And I think, um, like I said in the last podcast, Tamar has put out some consistent good music over the last couple of years. So, no complaints on my end. No, and as much as I like to pick on the Tamarsians because it's easy and fun, like I do like most of Tamar's music, and I like, I love my man, one of the better singles of the year, and the new single is kind of speaks to my heart because it does have that '80s bop to it. So 
I enjoy it, and I think both the singles are solid. We'll see how the album is. And again, like I said, her albums can be hit or miss at times, but we'll see if this project pulls through. And if it is the last one, which I'm seriously doubting, maybe she can go out on top. Yep. Now, um, some more news for you guys. Our boy Tyrese Gibson, who is Tom's favorite artist of all time. (laughs) Oh, God. He wow. did some interesting things on social media. He went on social media to pray that his wife finds, what is it, find somebody to find somebody to get married to? She is, yeah. player. He wants his his ex to find someone to love. I'm like, oh my! Will you somebody take this dude's Instagram away from him? I have never seen someone that run their legacy in the ground on social media like this guy. Although Brand is getting pretty close. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Poor Brandy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it works for him though. He's huge. People like worship this guy. Even Kyle watches his Facebook videos of like sermons and stuff. I don't know what he's preaching about, but Tyrese is huge, man. He's huge, but he's also ridiculous. And as far as much as his mindless lemmings follow every word he says. There's a whole other contingent that's like, this is a very problematic brother. I remember a couple months ago during the, what's the name of the BET series? The Black Girls Rock um, program. They had him perform. I think he performed with, I can't remember who he performed with because I kind of walked in on it. My wife was all over that show, of course. And like Twitter was pissed off that they BET had him up there because they were like, why would they select this problematic brother to go and perform on this show that's celebrating black women when he stays slandering black women on Twitter. So the the, out, the backlash is catching up with the brother. So somebody needs to calm him down before he already kills himself and gets in some real trouble with backlash. We love you, Tyrese. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> uh, he I. <aight. laughs> Oh, oh man. man. Um got another new uh song to announce. I talked about it last week, but the song is finally out. Deadwood Tony Braxton. Ed, thoughts on the song? I like this one. And I know it's going to be a whole lot of whining about it because it's a little different from Tony, but I really enjoyed it. It's a different sound for Tony, and it's something that I feel like at this stage in her career, a lot of fans want her to make you know, stuff that sounds like it's from the Secrets album. I don't want that. I already got the Secrets album. I want something that sounds, that progresses her sound, but doesn't go all the way off the cliff turn-up style. And that's why I like this song. It does sound a little different, a little... I don't know if I'd describe it as poppy, but it's a different direction of R&B for her. Definitely something that's new, and I think it works. I have to. I, sorry, I haven't had a chance to hear the song yet. But does anyone know what a Deadwood is? <laughs> I got. I saw that title and I was like, "Oh, is this no, correct?" No, Clay, it's not on? a dead Deadwood. Is like describes something that's like. How can I put it in terms? First is the TV show Deadwood, and that's kind of where she got the title from it from. But actual Deadwood is a thing. It's like this thing that floats. Kind of like a discarded piece of wood. It's basically a discarded <laughs> piece of anything. So if someone is dead wood, they are a useless part of something. 
So Man. when Kyle talks about what's that? What will they come up with next? No, it's like come wor- up with these things. It's an actual word play. I'll put it this way: when Kyle talks about Ashanti on his podcast, he becomes the Deadwood of the podcast. Oh, you take that! Wow, back. Kyle's float. Kyle's floating <laughs> up the river. Exactly. Now you get oh, wow. it. Wow, I see how Damn. it is. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a serious question about Tony Braxton? Looking back on her career, did you guys feel like? He wasn't man enough, progressed her sound. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I feel like at the time, like coming from the Secrets album to that single, it was like a different, a bit of a different direction. That's a good question. I have to kind of ponder that a little bit. I was kind of wondering about that song recently when she released this and, like, about the time of R&B in general around that time, 2000 yeah. it was. Yeah. I feel like that was a, a, a bit of a different sound for her, but I wonder if it had any impact on the genre as a whole or just well, for here's her. Well, here's, I was just here's my it. thing. I remember when that, first song, when that song first came out. It took some time for that to climb on pop radio. Because remember, Tony Braxton was one of the faces of R&B at that time, you know, prior to that with the Secrets album. And a lot of R&B was crossing mm-hmm. over to pop. I remember when she put that one out, she was still one of the faces of R&B, but that one took some time for it to climb over and cross over to pop. It eventually did, but you could see with the singles that came after, like the uh, Just Be a Man About It, the one with Dre talking, that one didn't cross over. And I think that was starting. That was when we started to see the shift in R&B and also, I guess, I don't want to say the, the, the downturn of, of Tony Braxton's career, but you saw sort of like things changing for her a little bit. It's weird because it's hard to just quantify it as just like a song because that era of her career also came with a lot of drama with like bankruptcy and blah, blah, blah. So she was kind of also kind of tossed around with scandal a lot. So it became, and I remember she was like naked on the cover of the Vibe, and people were all oh about that. So the actual songs, I, I think it's a good question about whether she helped influence it and crossing over. But she also had so much other stuff going on that it's hard to kind of quantify it and tie it down because she just had a whole lot going on in her life at the time. Well, let me ask you this, Kyle or Ed. I know, Kyle, you're a big fan of Tony Braxton. Just Be a Man About It wasn't as successful. Was there a better choice? Did she pick the wrong song? No, I don't think so. I think that was that was the right song. No, I don't either. I think it, it was the right song for Urban because, you know, she had the pop success and she had the songs that were... I'm surprised she didn't drop... Um, what was the name of that song? The Heat. I'm surprised she didn't drop that. But for mm. that selection, I thought it was a perfectly fine selection, and it just didn't go as far. I mean, it's not like it was a it tanked. I remember it doing okay, yep. if I remember right. Kyle's the chart man. Yep. He remembers probably better than me. But as far as it being the bad choice or the wrong choice, I wouldn't go that far. It just didn't pop like you expected. Yep. Um, another album came out. Last week, Sammy, Coming of Age. Ed, I know you had a chance to listen to the album. What did you think? I did, and I was I was a little surprised by it. It was pretty solid. We've talked before in previous podcasts about his singles, and we enjoyed both of those. And if you enjoyed both of those singles, you'll enjoy this album. It's a 
of course, a more mature Sam. I mean, he didn't sound like he sounds in 2000, thankfully. So he's talking about a few more mature elements. I do wish there was a little bit more... How can I say this and not sound like an old man? Like, I wish that the R&B that he was releasing was a, had a little bit more romance in it and not so much lustiness in it because it's just starting to get a little old where everybody's just talking about booty all the time in kind of a <laughs> way that isn't... I mean, we always talk... R&B was built on sex. That's just how it is. But in the earlier days, in the 90s and even early 2000s, there are a lot of artists like a Neo in more recent times who could write about that and not just be so frank and just crass and on the nose about it. And a couple of his songs are a little bit too like, uh, calm down, dude. You sound like you're just hit puberty. So those kind of get on my nerves. But as an overall project, I liked it. You know, it's interesting and we've talked about it before, but, um, I think Sammy's like one of those artists that's stuck in the middle. You know, he's trying to be like the younger generation, which that's all they talk about is booty and topics like that. But he's also getting grown, and it's like he's trying to mesh that with a more grown sound. And it's like he's kind of in an uncomfortable place. Artists of his, you know, era are kind of all falling off the charts. They don't know where to go. And it's like it's a tough spot for him. So I think that's why you're hearing what you're hearing. I mean, I'm looking here. He's 30 now. So it's like, which direction should he be going? It's really tough. Kyle, what did you expect to hear? Um, I, you know what? I listened to it, and I was surprised by it, too. I thought it was going to be all the way trappy, but it wasn't that. He's still singing on it. The the topics, I wasn't too surprised by just looking at the state of R&B right now, but I wasn't, you know, it's nothing that surprised me at all. Um, and, hey, like, when you see his counterparts like chris brown still making ratchet songs it's only expected that he does it as well so what are you gonna do yeah but dude he's opening he's opening for tank on tour and tank is still making ratchet songs and tank is 41 42 so what what do you want (laughs) look at that (laughs) well exactly i mean it's just the sound of the time like this is how music sounds now and Unfortunately, I feel like there is room for that, but I wish there was room for a different type of sound. And I feel like that that sound is what's dominating right now. Everything has to be over the top. Everything has to be blunt. Everything has to be borderline crass. And it, back in the day, you would have a little bit of that, but then you would also have a little bit more diversity. I hate that everything has to be that way. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Sammy's album is vulgar or turn up or anything like that but there are a few songs that kind of stand out because when you have a song with a very delicate melody or a song that's kind of produced or crafted in a way that's romantic and then dudes kind of talking about crazy stuff it's like it's a sound clash it's a lot it's a little bit of that and it's just something that i have noticed kind of permeating through r&b the past few years Mm -hmm. well good news guys Because this is the part of the podcast where Ed gets to praise his cousin Chris Brown. He has a new song out with Kay Michelle. Either way, Ed, the floor is yours. Um, At what point did I say I was going to praise Chris Brown? (laughs) I said off air that the song was aight. And it had nothing to do with cousin Chris over there. Um, Kay Michelle's another artist that's, I think, trying to find her lane. And kind of balancing between her... She has this voice that's big and perfect for vibe ballads, but she's also trying to 
go mainstream, no harm in that. And these days, going mainstream means kind of sexing it up a little bit and being a little vulgar because a lot of times I feel like when it comes to female artists, they see vulgarity as a sign of strength in their music. And that's what this single leads to. I like the song okay. I'll take and leave Cousin Chris. But again, it's like, uh, I feel like we go too far sometimes. Well, can I read the comment we got on our site about the song? I love this comment. This is from someone named And Bro. They wrote, this is really bad. The vulgarity is shameless. The song is so self-centered. Where's the love? Beat or no beat, enough is enough. We need quality music, not songs that are soundtracks to a reality show. Woo, and bro brought that heat. <laughs> Ed, are, are you and bro? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and again, yeah, this is yeah. coming from someone who said the song is, I think the song's okay. I like her other song, Birthday. I like that a little bit better, but... Jeez, Amro brought that heat, and I can't disagree with what he or she is bringing to the table. I gotta agree. On the contrary, though, I read a well, I read a, a YouTube comment, and someone, and when I get the name of this person, I'll shout them out. But this person said something along the lines of, "Why do you guys keep complaining about forty-something-year-olds turning up like they're not allowed to? Forty-year-olds can party too. Let them be." <laughs> but no, that's a good point, and I have no problem with forty year olds turning up if you're turning up and it's good. Like I don't want to see our the issue is this when you have cultivated an audience and you have been especially artists has been in the game for years and years and years. You have brought along fans who are fans of your sound, and I'm not saying that you can't experiment because everybody can experiment. Everybody should be willing to experiment because, like I said earlier. I don't want Tony Braxton making the same song she's been making for 20, 30 years. I'm not here for that. However, you still want a bass song, kind of a sound that you know is the Tony Braxton sound or whomever. So when I go into a tank project, I expect it to be a bass sound. I don't want to hear somebody that's pushing 50, that's like five years away from getting AARP checks, sounding like dudes that are 20 years old. It doesn't fit the audience, it doesn't fit the person, and it doesn't sound like it's authentic. It sounds like they're trying to be something else, and that hurts the music. You're out of your lane, and if the song is trash, the song is trash. I think there's a difference, too. Like, think about this. You People turned up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, too, but the music had class to it. It wasn't all trashy. Think about a song like Marvin Gaye's... Um, What's that song that uh, was sampled by Thick and they got sued for? Blurred Lines? Anyone? I got nothing. Uh, oh! <laughs> got to give it up. Yeah, it's got to give it up. I was going to say the Aaliyah song, but that's terrible. Think about a song like that. A song like Frankie Beverly and Maze's Before I Let Go, which is like the barbecue anthem. Yeah. Those were classy songs that people could party to. But somewhere along the lines, turning up t- turned into like raunchy music, and I think that's the difference if you, if you yeah. think about it. But still, I mean, and again, look at somebody like Jodeci. Jodeci has some sexed up songs. That's fine. That's fine because that was their lane, and they had songs that were romantic. They had "Forever My Lady." Then they were freaking you. 
And that song was vulgar for the time. It ain't just like PG now, but like it for its time, that thing was rough. And it's no problem jumping back and forth. Why? Because they still stuck to a sound. It's about the sound. This ain't Luther suddenly singing Chris Brown songs. That is what we're seeing today. You were seeing artists <laughs> jumping completely out of their lane. That's the problem. I'm not saying that Tank can't make a sex song. Tank's album, best album is Sex, Love, and Pain. Of course he's making sex songs. But when you sounding like you 60 in the club, fingers smelling like chicken wings, you got your cool water on, you got your chest hair popping out of your shirt, you're running behind 19-year-old girls in the club, you're sounding out of place. So basically, basically, wow. I'll, I'll break it down for everyone, just in summary. People around my age, we should be in the club listening to Cardi B. People around Tom's age, you guys can walk around. This is when you guys sort of mellow down, so you guys are barefoot listening to Tweet. And when you, <laughs> oh my! God. When you get to about when you get oh, to about man. Ed's age, you're listening to backyard barbecue music with the likes of Frankie Beverly Mays. <laughs> yeah. Go. Yep. You, First you of got all, your gators on. Nobody should be listening to Cardi B. <laughs> But I ain't mad at having my gators on. We we all right there. Well, let me ask you a question, Ed. Are are there really forty year olds still in the club with like college kids? I mean, come on, player. Let me tell. I will name names, but I won't because I like my friends. There are forty people. There are forty year olds in the club. If the club was oh, open tonight, there will be some people that I know and love up in there turning up, getting numbers of college kids. That is life, man. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the South for you. <laughs> Stop blaming it on the South. I'm blaming it on people that are just That's having grown up. Oh boy. Well, hold on a second. In this, in the South, isn't strip clubs like a culture or something? A strip club is a culture everywhere. It's not a Southern thing. You've been watching too no, much like, loving hip hop. Like. Like women and stuff go to strip clubs and everything in the South. Women go to strip clubs everywhere. That's not a Southern thing. No, I have no idea. I don't go myself, so. Wow. All right. Um, I'd like to blame everything on the <laughs> South, though. It's it's fun. All right. So a couple of new album releases coming soon. Obviously, Legacy is coming, I believe, next week. We have Tank coming in about two weeks along with Tamar. And a couple of new album releases, uh, or new albums that were just announced. Craig David, he announced he announced that his new album is coming soon. The time is now, and he also released a new single, Heartline. Did anyone listen to that? Yeah, I listened to it. I wasn't really feeling it. It's pretty much kind of pedestrian, poppy, kind of generic. Kind of that... That kind of island reggae theme sound that everybody in their mama is doing. It's just kind of like just typical. Not bad because, of course, Craig David is a great vocalist, but it's nothing I ever want to hear again. I just thought it was so cool that he's now re-signed with a major label after all these years. I mean, he has this, this huge thing he does like as a DJ and does all these shows across the world. Which is really cool. It's like it's called TS Five or whatever, mm-hmm. and like, it's pretty cool to see him, you know, have a resurgence of sorts, and uh, keep keep it going. 
don't sleep. Like, he has had a huge fan base, and they're pretty rapid. Like, yeah. there are lots of Craig David fans out there, yeah. and they will be very pleased to hear this album is on the way. Like I said, we'll see. He's kind of a proven hit maker with me in the past. Most of his work is good, but this single was just a little too typical for my taste. Mm-hmm. Selena Johnson is another one that's putting putting out a new album. Ed and Tom, is this a cover album or what is she trying to do with this one? I heard the first single; it sort of sounded like 1969. It's a cover. Oh my god! <laughs> Let me class up the place a little bit. Yes, it's a cover album. And for most people who are Selena fans and know her father is actually a well-renowned R&B singer from decades past. So this album, I think she's going to be working with him and doing some covers of his original stuff. So it sounds like a passion project. So it won't be, if you're looking for Chapter 2 or one of her earlier albums, this is not going to be that at all. But it's probably something that's very important to her and kind of upholding her family's musical legacy. So I'll check it out. And the first single is fine. Again, it's not something that's going to appeal to a lot of people who are exposed to her earlier music because it's more vintage R&B than kind of the 90s and early 2000s sound. But but what it is, it was pretty good. Man, I'm just excited that there's a lot of music coming out, that this stuff's going on, artists are, are working. I mean, if you guys remember earlier in the year how slow it was, man, we were Deadwood in R&B. <laughs> Oh, look at you using your words that you learned again. Wow. I'm proud of you. Yeah. All right, folks. It's time for a little. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. It's time though. for a little R&B trivia. Are you guys ready? All right. Can somebody on this podcast mm-hmm. name a Brooke Valentine song that is not "Girl Fight"? Oh my gosh, I fail. Um. Oh no. You guys forgot about the great acoustic song, Cover Girl. But the reason why I bring up Brooke Valentine, (laughs) number one, I just found out she's on Love and Hip Hop. And number two, she actually just put out a new single today um, for everyone that wants to check it out. It's called Now. It sort of has like a trappy thing to it, but she's actually singing. So uh, it's cool that Brooke Valentine is back, I think. I guess. I just know I need to get on Love and Hip Hop so I can drop me an album too because it seems like that's all it takes. (laughs) Can I can I do one? Mm, no, I don't think you can, Tom. <laughs> can I, no, I let me do one of these. Hold on, hold on. Someone name a, a Blue Cantrell song besides Hit 'Em Up Style. Oh, play! I got you. I got a bunch of these. I'll find a way. Unhappy. Wow. I got. Yep, yeah, I was gonna say that one. Ten thousand times. I'm although old school soul and stereo fans know the. The long-standing Blue Cantrell Ed beef. That beef is squashed. So we good now. I'm a big fan of her first album. And her second album was okay, too. You guys are good now? Okay. I didn't really... We good. <laughs> we good on my end. She probably won't answer my calls. But, yeah, we good. Damn. The last time, the last time Can, I spoke to... Yeah, the last Kyle. time I spoke to Blue Kyle. Cantrell, she was telling me that it was going to be 2001 again soon. She was going to make the greatest comeback of all time. This was... Probably about six years ago, so we're still waiting on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blue! Wait. Speaking speaking of squash beefs, Kyle, tell the people who we'll be interviewing shortly, ladies and gentlemen. Pu- public enemy number one on you know what? Actually, no, yes. he's not number one. He's like number two. Keisha Cole is number one. Number two is Pleasure <laughs> P. 
we're going to be doing an interview with Pleasure P. I wrote a great article about two years ago, pretty much just bashing my entire generation of male artists. He commented on the article and said it was stupid. But it's all come full circle now because he released a great static song, and we all like it. So we're going to interview him, and we're going to all come together as one big happy family. This is going to be good. Um, you so you might want to come strapped to this interview, Kyle. I hope it's not a setup. <laughs> Are you planning to bring up that article? You already know it. Come on, we got. It. <laughs> oh, I've got. Man. I've got some points that I want to make. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, but no, it's a legit right. question. I'm not mad at it. I would bring it up. But no, really. Uh, Pleasure <laughs> P. He released the music video for uh, his new song for a long time, which. I think a lot of people really like the song. Those that haven't heard Static's version and only have heard the song because of Pleasure P, they're happy with the single, and I am as well. It's a good song. Anyways, um, guys, we got to talk about this K. Michelle, Chris Brown song a little more because as we're talking about love and hip-hop and everything, I'm trying to figure out, is the romance gone in R&B and how damaging is that to our society right now? Oh, man. Ed? Why do you throw it to me? Because you know I'm going to rant. I mean, I've kind of expound on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about kind of the death of R&B's romantic side. I don't know, player. When I came up, here comes Ed being old. But when we had the R&B that I grew up on, there were different facets to it. Like, you had the love songs. You had the kind of hood songs. You had... The Dina Howard freak like me that's just like, I right, just give it up. There was just kind of a wide scope. But now it's just all in that latter category where 90% of it is just give it up. And if it isn't give it up, it's kind of like kind of like our girl Lettuce said a few weeks ago where R&B has kind of gotten a little dull. Where either we're talking about, girl, you better give it up or she whack because she didn't give it up. Or we're just kind of like humming and hawing and not really saying anything and it's kind of dull and lackadaisical. I just missed when there was a storytelling element to the romance of R&B. And it feels like that that storytelling element has all become now just like sex. And it's weird because with so many great writers still in the game that we can't get any diversified sounds. And it's hurting the genre in general. And that's why, in my opinion, so much of R&B sounds the same. Especially on urban radio, where every song is based around the same getting money, getting sex thing. Because if that's the only theme you're hearing, no matter who's singing it, it's going to sound the same. And that's why R&B is getting so monotonous, especially on a mainstream scale. So I don't know why we don't have... I don't know if people just... Don't do it because they haven't experienced it. I don't know if people don't do it because it's just not hot in the streets right now. But why don't anybody just talk about the more simple aspects of romance and R&B? It's a missing element. It's it's interesting. I brought this point to you guys. and um, There's no love in urban music anymore. There used to be. But it's like I was wondering if that's influencing our younger generations. Because these are the biggest role models. Like I had told you guys, I saw someone on the bus the other day with a Quavo background on their phone. I only knew it was Quavo because it said Quavo <laughs> underneath okay. the guy's face. <laughs> but but seriously, 
uh, I've, I think it's an issue, but I asked a friend about this, our boy Zeppelin, and he said no. He said art imitates life. So he thought the problem already was in place in society, and now art is imitating I, it. I so I don't know. I, I really don't know. That. That's a okay. Good, I, that's a good point, but then I still wonder if the art influences life. Because at least on my end, I see, and this is because I work with a lot of younger people, it seems to be that they are getting their perceptions of romance from urban music. And when everything is just like pretty girls like trap music and blah, 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 like that's all their influences are because there isn't a diverse range of R&B for them to consume. It's just, you know, I'm getting my money and I'm, you know, give it up. You know what the problem is? The problem... That's how they see life. The problem links back to social media, which has made it so... Social media has become sort of like an illusion for people to live their life a certain way, but they don't actually live that life because I can't tell you how many memes I've seen over the last five years of people talking about side chicks and sliding in DMs, and those are turning into actual songs. Some have done it okay, like SZA has done this whole side chick angle pretty good. But then Yo Gotti and the rest of them with the sliding in the DMs and stuff, it's it, it's getting too much, and the music's not even good. So I'm saying I'm blaming social media on this one. <laughs> social media does have its place because I have friends who are probably listening to this podcast now. Sorry, y'all. I love y'all. But I see y'all posting your pics about how you're living on your vacations and stuff, and you got like these really fancy pics and I know you going home and you still ain't really got no job for real. So a lot of people out here living double lives and it's kind of sad because they're doing it for likes. They want to have the hottest pics so they can get a bunch of likes and they kind of perceive it as a lifestyle. And I'm like, that's cool if you got a lot of likes, but make sure you can go home and pay your bills or you're not sitting in the dark asking me for money because I'm going to say no. But as far as social media influence in R&B, I think you've got a point there. Everything, a lot of the songs that we hear are influenced by the culture, and unfortunately a lot of that culture is based on this perception that social media has where if you have a lot of likes, you're the man or you're the woman, so you got to do what you got to do to get those likes. If that means dressing scantily, if it means fronting on your vacations, if that's what it means to get a bunch of likes then that's what we judge popularity by, and the music will follow that trend. This is a very depressing conversation. Jeez. It is. <laughs> <laughs> now, one more, one more oh, question man. for you guys, because you guys are in different regions in, this, in the U.S. Um, I have a question. I was talking to Tom about this, but I asked you guys this. If 7th Streeter was walking down, and not to pick on 7th Streeter, but this was just the conversation that came up. If someone like 7th Streeter were to walk around one of the malls in Alabama, Ed, how many people would stop her and ask for a picture? Or would they even recognize 7th Streeter? Player, please. And again, this is no shot at 7, but if she was walking around the mall here, like somebody would just ask her where she got her nails done. They would not know oh. no 7th Streeter. <laughs> I do have a co-worker, though, who is a huge fan of 7th Streeter, so shout out to her. Katie loves my 7th Streeter, so we cool there. But, no, I don't think that 7th Streeter would get any play down here. Now, let Cardi B come down here mumbling all over the place. Oh, she'll get mobbed. See, New York City's a little different because 
people in New York are so unfazed by anything that's going on. They don't know what's going yeah. on around them. I once was at an, uh, an event, and Pharrell was at, and I watched him leave the event, and he was walking the streets just casually. I, like, I followed him because he was going the way I was going back to the train, and no one even noticed him. No one even stopped him. It was actually pretty interesting, and that's just New York City for you, though. But I kind of agree with Ed's point of view. Unfortunately for Seven, I don't think he's made big enough of an impact. Damn. That sucks because she has the number one single, yeah, true. number one single on Urban AC. Yet they won't recognize her at your local Foot Locker. That's that's bad. Oh, they probably wouldn't. Although to be fair, I wouldn't recognize Cardi B, but I'm sure I'm in the minority there. <laughs> All right, so it's time to get into our Hall of Fame. We've had a great discussion about new music. It's time to nominate a couple of people into our beloved Hall of Fame. Before we get into it, though, Ed, Feel the Real came out. Is music in the Hall of Fame now? Uh, no. Okay. You can't retroactively get in the Hall of Fame if you put out some super long album. Try again. <laughs> Sorry, Tom, I tried. It's a four-star I tried. album, man. <laughs> it is a four-star album, but you ain't in the Hall of Fame. All right, all right. Damn. Uh, for this week's Hall of Fame, two nominations, one from the fan and one from Tom, I believe, this week. We're going to start with the fan nomination. They wanted us to nominate none other than Al B. Shore. Ed, tell them about your boy. My boy, Al B. And it's so funny that Al B. is part of the conversation right now because... If you follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Edward Bowser. Just straight up one word. I had this, so I am so proud of this. Fans of New Jack City, I got a new planner that is, the cover is Nino Brown from New Jack City. And I am like flaunting it at my meetings. I'm like, look at my cover. It's off the chain. Anyway, I just had to go through that because I'll be sure it's part of that generation. I'll be, might not be very well remembered today. Because his career was kind of cut short, seemingly, in the early 90s. But in the late 80s, in the early 90s, Al B was that dude. He had singles. Night and Day is a classic song. In Effect Mode is probably his biggest album. I think it's like two or three times platinum. That thing did big business. But unfortunately, after those first couple of albums in the early 90s, my man kind of slid off the radar. And even though he dropped... Might have been 10 years ago now. It was right after I moved to Birmingham. He dropped another album that kind of came and went. He's just remembered as one of those guys in the 90s who was really big for the time, but didn't really kind of drift over and had the impact that he had. So if we were talking about most influential 90s male singers, we'd be having a conversation about I'll Be Sure. But if we're talking about the R&B Hall of Fame, I just feel like his window is a little bit too small. So, no vote where did, for me. Where did he go? I mean, you never see anyone just kind of... Well, I know what he's doing now. He has a radio show and everything, and his son is a, an artist now. But, man, where did he go? Like, people usually don't just disappear like that. He was doing a lot of writing and producing, like, around the time of the mid-'90s when guys like... When Usher came up and Faith came up. Like, he kind of stepped away. And I this was all detailed because he had an episode of Unsung. And it kind of detailed why exactly he stepped away, and I can't remember why. But around the time of Tevin Campbell and the second, that new generation of 90s R&B singers came on, he was the dude that was like writing and producing and doing all this stuff. 
and maybe he just found that I'm making way more money doing this on the sidelines than out in front. But again, he gets he should get a lot more props than he does, especially for bringing on so many of the artists that people love now. There might not be an Usher or a Jodeci if not for this guy. So he gets props for that. But even then, just after the 90s kind of petered out, he just got quieter and quieter. Not sure exactly why. Unless he just decided, I'm going to stick with TV and producing behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, he gets a lot of credit, actually, for that first Jodeci album. I know he worked on it with Devante, and everyone seems to love that album. Um, in terms of Hall of Fame, maybe not, but he does have a hell of a unibrow. Um and night and day is a song that every oh night God. and day wow. is a song everyone loves. But Hall of Fame, I don't know. I think his his run was too short, but he did leave an impact. I will say that Albie Shore, one of the unsung heroes of R and B in the early nineties, definitely. Tom, I don't think we've named this group yet. TLC. Have we have we brought them up yet? I don't think so. No. I don't know if we brought no. them up, but it's worth a comment. No. Wait, before hold so on. TLC? Before you get into TLC, you never gave yeah. us your feedback on Albie Shore. Is he in or out? Oh come on, that's a serious question? Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just there's no way. Come on. And that's that. No, I would not dismiss him that quickly. But, I mean, I don't think what, he should be what, in it. But what, There's no like, body of work there. The guy was disappeared. We all know, you know where he went for 20 years. <laughs> where he went for 20 years? Good Lord. He was hot for his day. And we do know that in the 90s, he was basically mentoring and writing and producing for a whole generation. And there have been a couple times mentioned here that we need to have like a songwriter's Hall of Fame. And we're talking about that, then maybe, maybe we can think about him. But as an artist, nah, the window is just too short. All right. But player, when he All was right. big, he was big. All right. Listen, man. Monica didn't get in. Oh. Music Soul Child. Didn't. Do I have to go down the whole no. line again? No, we have been over that. Okay. All right. So TLC, oh we're going to go with. TLC, uh... Widely considered possibly the greatest female group of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, their run was cut short, too, so it's kind of interesting. But they had a lot of crossover success, which kind of inflates them even to be even bigger than they are. Uh, but, you know, they just came out with their new album this year. And, you know, they've kind of been out of the spotlight. The remaining members, they just started touring again. But it's been kind of rough since left that, you know, passed. So... Guys, did they do enough in the 90s to earn a spot? I think without question. When you look at their level of success, arguably the greatest female girl, I mean girl group in R&B history. When you look at the artists they influenced down the line from Destiny's Child and blah, blah, blah. So many people that kind of follow their path. When you look at the 90s, how they really reinvented and they don't get enough credit for this. They kind of reinvented the presentation of female groups because back then you had the in vogues and the the dress and the gowns and this and that and these girls came out with the oversized hats and the overalls and talking about sex explicitly but 
to go back to our earlier point, they weren't being crass about it. They were actually making points about it in their music, whether it was kind of talking about their own sexuality or having safe sex and actually wearing condoms on their stuff. But the point is, they have evolved over the years. They have influenced R&B in huge many ways, not only for female artists, but male artists as well. I think it's a no-brainer for them. And the only argument you could put against them is that their later work was weak. But honestly, by the time their later work came around, they were already worthy of legendary status. So, very easy nomination for me. Yeah, I'm with Ed as well. I think it's a definite yes. Even when you think about it, Kalani's last album, or her album she just put out, it was influenced by the TLC album, Crazy Sexy's Cool. So, the impact is there even today. Um... And I went to their last concert, and everyone seems to love them still. Had a lot of hits early on, sort of faded out a little bit, you know, in the 2000s. But some of that due to Left Eye passing away, I think some of that was just the nature of the business. Do you guys think if Left Eye was still here that their run would have been a little longer? Or do you think it ended the way it should have ended for their, you know, their run? No, absolutely not. I mean, there's a lot of romanticizing about how if she was still there, that, oh, they would have been on top for another 20 years, play or no. The problem, the thing is, people forget, by the time that third album, well, I guess the fourth album, well, the third album, Fan Mail, she was already half in and out of the group already. And by the time the fourth album came out, she was already kind of looking at solo stuff. If if Left Eye was around, I feel like, especially in the social media era, oh my gosh, she would kind of be this era's Rihanna because she would be so beloved, she would be so outspoken, and unlike some of the artists we're dealing with today, Rihanna, Cardi B, but she can actually rap and sing, so she would have that going for her. So I think that she would be a big star, but I think TLC's run was wrapping up by 99 anyway. Yeah, I mean, she had the solo album going and everything, and she was prepared to release that. Did she even join Death Row at one point? Yep, you she remember did that? that for the solo album, and I think that one only got released overseas, and then they pieced it together and dropped it here. Oh, that didn't work too well at all. But, <laughs> no, if she had, if she was still with us, she would be a huge star, but I don't think, I and mean, I think that they would have reunited and all that stuff. They would have made up because they argued all the time. They would have made up. But I think she would be the artist to branch out on her own and be huge as a solo artist. And there you have it. TLC is one of the new inductions into our R&B Hall of Fame that it includes the likes of Keith Sweat, Brandy. Yep. And music so wait wait we can put music in sorry Tom. <laughs> oh man, I love Jeez. it. I love it. Once once Ed's gone for a weekend, we will have a recount of ah, the geez. votes. All right, yeah. I will ask you guys this, and if we get a unanimous yes, and you got to give me your honest answer, we will put Music Soul Child into the Hall of Fame. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Have any of you guys listened to 112's new song since it came out? Um, the Dangerous song? Yep. Dangerous, what was it? Dangerous Games? Yep. Yes, I've listened to nope. it a couple times. 
But here's my reason for saying no, because there's just so much music out there. I'm listening to artists from the 90s that are putting out songs. I'm listening to new artist submissions to our site. There's just too much. Yeah. Can't, can't keep up. I'll listen. Yeah, it's a lot to keep up I, with. I agree with I'll you give there. it a full listen when their album comes out. But yeah, I'm, there is just too much music. Oh, and before we get out of here, I just want to give a quick shout out to this new group, because everyone keeps talking about them and... They're telling us that we don't talk about them enough. Moonchild, so shout-outs to Moonchild. And that... So we okay. talked about them. Well, people are still... And shout-out to... Sh- quick shout-out to the, uh, the female singer. I think it, her name is Now. Uh, DJ Soulchild was having a hissy fit that we don't support her on the site, so this is my obligatory shout-out. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Ed, do you want to shout-out anyone? I'm good, player. I've got all my <laughs> shout-outs in. I'll let Soul Child handle you for that horrible shout-out. Shout-out to my girl. Though, right. like, she, her album's pretty great. And lastly, shout-outs to DJ Soul Child for always giving us the latest reviews on all new music. So, shout-outs to him. But And also for keeping New Jack Swing alive here 20 <laughs> years after that. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Oh my gosh. Soul Child, tear these people apart. You have my permission. Anyway, Soul and Stereo, we talked about it earlier in the podcast. Go check out my review of Music Soul Child's album, Feel the Real. Please check it out because, oh my gosh, it drained my soul. Not because it's bad, but it's so long. So check it out, see what you like. And I think that if you're a fan of music, that classic sound, you will find a lot of stuff to like about that album. Also, we've got a new edition of the Love Letters up, so go check that out. I can't even remember the topic, but I remember folks fussing on my Facebook page about it. So it was one that got everybody stirred up. So check out Solo Stereo. There you go. And Tom, with You Know I Got So, I think you interviewed Music Soul Child for like the 10th time now. For, <laughs> yeah, he's up there among the most, along with Tank and I think Genuine. We've also interviewed a lot of times. But, uh, yeah, uh, that was a pretty good interview, breaking down the new album. Uh, like we mentioned, you're going to be interviewing Pleasure P. And we got a whole bunch of new songs on the site this past week. You know, like I said, artists coming out of their slumber. We got some new albums coming, so we're excited to be uh, covering those in the coming weeks. Sounds good. So as we roll out of this podcast, I just have one thing to say to you guys. Brandy Full Moon, number one album of the 2000s. I'm out. Oh, my God. (laughs) Please keep your lies on your side of the podcast. All right. We're out of here. I'll see you guys next week.